Hi, I'm Angela East and welcome to another edition of the East Meets West podcast. This podcast is proudly focused on Western Australia, the engine room of the Australian economy. From the CEOs, company directors, brokers, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between, East Meets West is a deep dive into what makes the greatest state on earth tick. On today's episode of the East Meets West podcast, I'm chatting with Brad Lingo, Chairman of Pilot Energy, a trailblazer in the clean energy space working to help decarbonise Western Australia through the development of the Midwest Clean Energy Project. ASX listed Pilot Energy is leveraging its existing oil and gas assets along with established infrastructure in the Midwest region of Western Australia to advance the stage development of an integrated carbon capture and storage to clean ammonia export project. Carbon capture and storage, or CCS, is the key enabler to delivering the lowest cost clean hydrogen and ammonia. Pilot aims to provide permanent injection and storage of over 1 million tonnes of CO2 annually through 2050, as well as produce 1.2 million tonnes per annum of low cost clean ammonia for export by 2027. It's certainly no secret there is a global push to drastically reduce CO2 emissions and Australia is one of the larger emitters, which is why government and industry are stepping up the investment as the country works to decarbonise. Now, Brad, if we break it down to a state level, how does Western Australia compare to the eastern states of Australia in terms of emissions? Western Australia is a, is a major source of emissions, but the makeup of its emissions are quite a bit different than those of the eastern states. Western Australia, over from the, the previous baseline, the eastern states have been able to deliver a significant decline in, in scope one emissions through increased or through a change in the power generation mix, shifting from coal to renewables. Most of the eastern states, New South Wales, Queensland, and Victoria, predominantly have had a very high level of total power generation coming from coal-fired power. So the the, the low-hanging fruit in the eastern states for delivering uh, CO2 reductions or emissions reductions is by the phasing out of that coal-fired power. Whereas in Western Australia, a lot of the emissions are more driven less by coal-fired power and driven more by gas-fired industrial emissions, LNG production. So over the from the same baseline period, the eastern states have actually seen a reduction in total CO2 emissions um, compared to the previous baseline settings of 2015, whereas Western Australia has actually seen an increase because of the continued uh, development of LNG exports. So it, it is a little bit more challenging uh, nut to crack, but it's certainly crackable. CCS in particular has people divided over whether it should be part of the clean energy transition, but in recent times it has gained stronger support from industry and government as an increasingly viewed as a critical tool in reducing global emissions. Brad, tell us a bit about how this technology works and why you see it as a better alternative to other decarbonisation methods. Well, for, for one thing, when we use the term carbon capture and storage, we've got to be we've got to be very very specific because there are actually three elements to it. There's the carbon capture component that that happens at the point source for the uh, carbon emitter. There's the CO2 transportation component, and there is the permanent CO2 storage component. So we really need to think about it when we say CCS and we talk about it as one thing, it's actually three things. Now, carbon capture and storage, the capture component, the transportation component, and the permanent storage component is a proven technology. And it has been going on without government support and on a commercial basis for over 50 years. 
largely historically directed for the capture of CO2, the transport of CO2, and then the storage or use of the CO2 associated with, with enhanced oil recovery. We're now entering a phase where we need to take all that knowledge and experience that's been developed over the past 50 years on how to capture CO2, how to transport CO2, and how to inject and store CO2 permanently in uh, depleted um, oil and gas reservoirs and other reservoir formations and apply it to pure carbon capture and storage rather than focusing it towards enhanced oil recovery. When we, when we think about it, the first thing to be to recognize, it is made up of three components. All three components are proven. They have been done commercially without government support for 50 years. Now, um, not all capture is the same. Now, that's typically where um, uh, you have t some types of CO2 that is very easy to capture gas emissions off of um, gas processing plants um, to, to condition natural gas to be able to be put into natural gas pipelines. CO2 emissions off of um, fertilizer plants. That's been going on commercially for 40 years. Uh, the very first project um, where that's been done uh, started in 1982, and that project continues to operate today, capturing 300,000 tons per annum. So those are the really easy emissions, low-hanging fruit that we first need to focus on. But it is it is um, those uh, easy-to-capture uh, sources of CO2 really are low-hanging fruit, but are quite uh, material globally. Now, the transportation of CO2 can be done either via pipeline or via ship. Again, transportation of CO2 via pipeline has been going on for 50 years as part of those capture of CO2 and use of CO2 for CO2ER. There's quite actually quite an extensive um, CO2 pipeline network in North America, in the, in, in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so those pieces are, are known, are proven, and now it then comes down to, do we have the right geology? Well, um, Australia has plenty of that right geology, um, uh, whether it's um, existing um, late-stage mature um, oil and gas fields, those ultimately um, can build off all that knowledge and experience um, that's been built up for over 50 years um, in CO2 EOR, where it's the same process. Capture the CO2, transport the CO2 to a field, and inject it down into that field. We just now need to focus on using it strictly for the purposes of um, permanent storage. As I like to say, um, depleted oil and gas reservoirs have been warehouses for oil and gas for millions of years. Now we're going to turn them into permanent vaults. And it is the, the International Panel on Greenhouse Gas um, of the um, IEA World Bank um, has clearly delineated that um, uh, we will not be able to achieve um, our net zero goals by 2050 without substantial use of carbon capture and storage. Okay, yeah, that's um, all very interesting and um, a very good um, argument in favor of CCS. Um, 
Now, Pilot started out as an oil and gas explorer and producer. Why did the company decide to pivot into the decarbonisation and clean energy space? It was really a recognition of we have an existing asset footprint. We realised that those existing assets were actually quite sat in you know a location where there was a wealth of um, clean energy opportunity, whether it was wind, whether it was solar, whether it was carbon capture and storage. And um, our existing assets, um, largely um, offshore um, uh, oil and gas exploration holdings, sat in exactly this almost perfect location where all three of those things overlapped. And so it really was one, a recognition that and we were aware of, let's put it this way, we were familiar with all the historical work that had been done um, by the Commonwealth government about these resources. And it was really, one, opening our eyes and seeing that our existing asset footprint in the Midwest region of Western Australia absolutely coincided with um, all the clean resources. And as I like to say, Pilot is not running away from its oil and gas heritage. It's actually walking into the energy transition and seeing that our existing operations and assets were once sat in this rich renewable resource and clean energy resource uh, opportunity set um, and saw how those assets and operations could be transformed. Um, to pursue and, uh, let's say, continue to the the next stage of their life um, as supporting um, both clean energy production, but also um, carbon abatement. Um, and, you know, our, our ultimate business model as, as, as a resource company was we identified a resource, we appraised the resource, I conducted detailed feasibility studies to, 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 to quantify how that, um, what the government had identified that was that we sat on and sat in and sat was surrounded by um, through detailed feasibility studies. So we identified the resource, we appraised, conducted the feasibility studies. Then it was about taking that base work and going from feasibility to permitting. And now we're going from permitting, we're in the permitting process, to go from permitting to partnering and from partnering to actual development of the clean energy transition projects. Okay. So um, what exactly is involved in repurposing oil and gas infrastructure to uh, convert it to a carbon capture and storage project? Well, the first, the first thing you have to think of, again, about, you know, what, what is the, the, the subsurface, you know, uh, uh, resource you have, the reservoir. You have to then think about the wells that you have. You have to think about the above ground surface infrastructure. So when we look at our Midwest Clean Energy Project, in particular, the Cliffhead CO2 storage project, we've got um, existing wells that have been used both for oil production, but also for water reinjection into the reservoir. Um, we have existing pipelines that go from those wells um, uh, from the offshore platform to the onshore um, processing plant. And 
So we, we really focused on each one of those individual components, the onshore plant, the pipelines, the wells, and the reservoir. So four, four basic components. So the first was repurposing that fundamental assessment. Is the Cliffhead Reservoir good for CO2 injection? The answer is yes, it is, because it's quite unique. One, like in CO2 EOR, um, most CO2, they, the, 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 the technical understanding of how to inject CO2 down into a reservoir, 50 years of it, it's all been done largely into oil fields. So you actually know how it behaves. So that's exactly what Cliff Hit is. It's an oil field. So we've got a good reservoir. Second, it's a reservoir where we've got already since um, 2006, 2007, a continuous injection history because we've been in every bit of water that we've produced out of the field along with oil, we've re-injected it. So we actually, not that we have, not only do we have a reservoir that we understand, we have a, a reservoir we understand that has an injection history. So we know how to inject into and how that reservoir behaves. So that's that's the first first bit of it. We also have existing wells that have been used, one, to produce, but also for injection. Um, and they become part of that future repurposing. Um, then the next piece of the puzzle was we've got two 10-inch pipelines that go from the field to the onshore processing plant. One pipeline was used for oil production. One pipeline is used for water injection um, back into the field. An assessment, are is one or both of those pipelines suitable for a, um, uh, a CO2 storage operation, CO2 injection operation? The answer is yes. We did the detailed work with our owner's engineer and feasibility um, engineering firm, Genesis Energies, who's part of, part of Technip. Um, that not only said are not where they're capable, but they're highly suitable for. So the crude oil production pipeline is actually going to be turned into the CO2 injection pipeline. And the water injection pipeline will actually turn into a continuous water production pipeline. Because one of the ways that we're developing the field is to, as we inject CO2, to create space for that CO2 down in the reservoir, we'll continue to produce water from the field. Um, because we have that ability to produce water. We've produced water from the field for a long time. Um, and then when we get back to the onshore processing facility, lo and behold, what's one of the major components of the plant and equipment at the onshore Aerosmith plant? It's water processing. So we are retasking and reusing exactly every, every bit of plant and equipment in a slightly different way that already exists and has been operating since 2006, 2007, um, to not produce oil, but to facilitate CO2 injection and storage into the existing reservoir. So it, we like to think about it ultimately, the conversion of those existing assets from oil production to CO2 storage is both um, low risk and low cost. And that's the, that's the opportunity we saw. That's the opportunity we've studied. That's the opportunity we've defined through all the feasibility study work that we've done. And, and now moving into um, from pre-feed into feed for the uh, CO2 storage project. You guys have been 
in many discussions with potential overseas and Australian customers as well as government representatives. What has been the overarching sentiment in those talks? Do you think the tide has turned for CCS? Oh, I do. I do. Absolutely. You know, there's just pending in uh, at the Commonwealth level in uh, the Australian par- Parliament are amendments to the London Protocol um, to allow um, uh, the import and um, storage of CO2 um, through carbon capture carbon capture and storage. So that's, 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 you know, working its way through parliament right now. So um, that's probably one of the, 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 at the Commonwealth level, um, you know, a very strong endorsement again at the Commonwealth level. um, The Commonwealth has now put out um, for uh, um, additional greenhouse gas assessment licenses, which are the CO2 equivalent of, um, exploration licenses, one of which surrounds our entire uh, proposed cliffhead CO2 storage project. Um, and that was that was one that we, we, we asked, put an expression of interest into the Commonwealth government to gazette that area. It's not the only area that's, that's being gazetted um, to provide the solution. Um, so that's another you know, uh, data point that says, yes, the Commonwealth supports this. Um, equally, at the state level, um, Engagement has been extremely good. Western Australia finally is um, working really hard to put in the necessary legislation to support um, uh, uh, greenhouse gas storage, transport of CO2 via pipelines, um, storage of CO2 in onshore state reservoirs. So that's all working its way through right now. And if, if either if the support wasn't there at the Commonwealth level or at the state level, neither government would be progressing this legislation, but it is. And our engagement with the, you know, with, uh, um, with the relevant ministries, um, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, Department of Resources or the Dep- Department of Climate Change, Energy, environment and water um, has been extremely good um, that they both realize that carbon capture and co2 storage is absolutely essential for australia to meet its co2 emissions reductions targets Okay, that's really good to hear. Um, what are some of the the primary target locations in Western Australia that will be the focus for substantially cutting emissions? Uh, well, you know, in, in what I call focus on the low hanging fruit first and foremost, uh, with the new gas field developments in the North Perth Basin, all of those um, gas fields, as they're currently being proposed uh, in their their developments, in order uh, to put that natural gas into the existing gas pipeline network, that gas has to be processed and CO2 has to be removed from that gas. Now, the way that has been done historically and that the way that's, you know, been approved um, for the the most recent uh, new gas plant developments is that gas gets, um, that CO2 gets stripped out of the gas um, to, re- to remove the CO2 content down to only 4% CO2. 
in, in the sales guest stream um, and through conventional technologies um, and um, uh, is vented into the atmosphere. Um, now, that's exactly the same sort of CO2 and the same sort of uh, that is that low hanging fruit um, that is easily capturable and has been captured um, on a commercial basis in North America for 50 years. So in the first instance, right there in the North Perth Basin, um, the existing and um, future forecast for CO2 emissions from those gas field developments is about a, a million tons. So in one instance, and, and that million tons is being vented within 50, 15 to 20 kilometers of pilots, you know, um, land facility at Aerosmith for the Cliffhead uh, CO2 storage project. The second big target is the industrial state of Quinana. Um, you know, the scope one emissions for the Quinana industrial area is about 8 million tons. Well documented, the uh, Quinana uh, Industrial Council has done a great body of work um, that's publicly available, published, that documents and takes an inventory of what those CO2 emissions are um, and uh, what pilots very much focused on is um, and presented at the Quinana Major Projects Conference, um, the solution of we can bring the storage solution for using the Cliffhead facility, but we're also bringing to you one uh, capture technologies, um, two technologies where we've signed MOU with the technology providers, Svante Technologies out of Canada and KC8, another ASX listed company, um, where their technology was actually developed by um, the CO2 CRC here, here in Australia and now is being commercialized and is actually gaining a lot of traction um, in the US, the deployment of that technology. Um, but we've also brought a CO2 shipping solution um, with uh, uh, Newton NYK carbon carriers to show to the emitters down at Guanana that here's here's a solution for you to consider on how to capture the CO2 your CO2 emissions. Here's the shipping solution: how we can move CO2 from the port of Guanana to Cliffhead and We've already established um, the Cliffhead um, uh, CO2 storage facility as that target solution. So, um, two real, really clear targets, um, uh, and you know, there's there's a big opportunity for um, uh, the big emitters at Quanana to actually generate um, safeguard mechanism credits. Um, that they can sell, one, reduce their CO2 emissions far, be far below what the government is mandating under the, the, the most recent legislative changes. But if you go above and beyond what the government requires, that actually creates an asset that you can sell, a safeguard mechanism credit. And um, you know, our belief is the eastern states are really going to need um, those type of credits because they just don't have the opportunity set for CO2 storage like Western Australia does. Pilot has certainly been very proactive in advancing the Midwest Clean Energy Project, starting with the Stage 1 CCS project. 
Tell us a bit about how the regulatory approvals are progressing. I think quite well. We are the very first, first and foremost, the Cliffhead oil field sits in Commonwealth waters. Because it sits in Commonwealth waters, it's covered by the Petroleum and Offshore Petroleum and Greenhouse Gas Storage Act of 2006. Now, that legislation has been in place. It's created a legislative framework, um, a regulatory framework, and even guidelines on how you can take an existing um, production license and say take that from being a existing discovered producing oil and gas field to one getting an application to uh, or making an application to say this reservoir is highly suitable for greenhouse gas storage or CO2 storage and then the second stage is getting the approval of a field development plan to undertake that. Um, so we're the very first applicant ever under that 2006 legislation to say, we've got the ideal reservoir and the ideal project to convert from a producing offshore com- in, uh, oil field or gas field in Commonwealth jurisdiction to do that conversion. And so we lodged that application with, uh, with the Commonwealth government in late November of last year, you know, very systematically and methodically, we and the Commonwealth government are working through that extensive 500-page application with 1,000 pages of attachments to take that from the application to one, an approval. We think we're pretty close to the end of that journey to get that first stage of approval to say, yes, the Cliffhead Reservoir is ideal for CO2 storage. And once we get that approval, because we're undertaking the the feed work on the storage project, that'll put us in a really good position to then turn around and in relatively um, quick order, file the um, uh, in, uh, injection license application, which is the development plan, just like it would be if you're doing a development plan for a, a new oil and gas field to say, okay, this is the next stage of development and this is how how we're going to develop that reservoir to provide permanent, uh, to provide CO2 injection and permanent storage. Yeah, the clean energy landscape is definitely an interesting one to be in right now. We appreciate the insight into CCS and how Pilot Energy plans to help our great state decarbonize. Thanks, Brad, for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Angela. I really appreciate it.